0: Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me, as always, my beautiful wife. Her name is... Just Jen. She's just Jen. Don't call her anything else. She's just Jen.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: Yeah, that's right. How you doing today?
1: I am fabulous. You're
0: looking fabulous. You're looking fresh and anew. Really? Yes. Wow. You look like you're radiant and sparkling and present. What do you want? Present. What do you mean, what do I want? <laughs> I can't just give you compliments? Why are you being so nice? Because I am nice. <laughs> yes, you are. I am sweet you and i You are nice.
1: full of compliments, always.
0: I know, and you deflect, and you deflect.
1: Yeah, I'm- It's what, hard for you to accept. Yes. I, love, I keep trying, though. I love giving compliments, <laughs> but receiving is always like, hard, I right? wonder
0: why that is. I don't know. It's one of life's mysteries.
1: I don't know.
0: It's like somebody throws me a compliment and I'm like, "Ooh, no, I don't want it to stick to me. I, I automatically
1: <laughs> will spin the compliment right back at them.
0: Oh yeah, you yeah. look so nice. Well, you look nice. No, you look nice. You're so sweet. No, you're <laughs> sweet. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's I think that's uh, I think that's the recovering narcissist in me. I f- mm. I feel like if somebody says a compliment to me right. and it's and I let it stick to me, then that that moves me a step closer to narcissism.
1: So wait, am I a recovering narcissist too? Then
0: no, you're not in recovery. <laughs>
1: Really? <laughs> now I, you're not saying nice things I to me. I am
0: just kidding. <laughs> you, you you don't have enough narcissism to fill the pinky nail of your left finger.
1: I don't think so either.
0: No, you're awesome.
1: That's not my that's not my life.
0: Well, I'm excited because we've got a couple. We have two people ah. coming online with us today. Really? Can you believe it? So there's going to be four of us? Yeah, we don't normally have Two people. I'm
1: not going to be the third wheel.
0: We're going to have another husband and another wife.
1: I'm not going to be the third
0: wheel. You're not going to be the third <laughs> wheel. You get to participate. I'm excited for you. Yay. Yay, you. Yay, me. So we're going to have Brad and Vanessa come on. Okay. And uh, quite a story. Brad was police officer and was injured in the line of duty. And I'm going to let him tell the story. But... Very current, very appropriate for now, and just an incredible message. You know, they've they've found the positive in the negative situation. Wow! And uh, I'm excited to hear from them.
1: Yeah, me too. Actually,
0: awesome. Well, I think we should just call them and get them online, right? Let's just jump into it. Let's call them. Let's call them. Let's get them online and let's have a conversation with another awesome couple. What?
1: Wait a minute. What? What about my joke?
0: Oh. I forgot about joke time. Yeah. How I did have, I forget about joke time? I
1: don't know, but I'm ready.
0: Okay. Like, <laughs> let's go. Let's get it.
1: I have jokes. Do you have jokes?
0: Uh, let's go. Okay. What's your joke? Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready.
1: Okay. What's the best food to eat before a workout?
0: What's the best food to eat before a workout? I don't know.
1: Muscles. <laughs> right? <laughs> Am I right? Right.
0: Hey, I hear that's a good protein.
1: I honestly have never had a muscle in my life, so I, I don't know. You don't
0: like you don't like liquid
1: weird gummy. Yeah, you Oysters, don't like weird, yeah. mussels, It tastes escargot, like seawater like you don't like that. Funky things like that.
0: All right. So I got a food joke for you. Oh, you do. I do for the first time. Like I'm not used to doing food jokes. You're stealing my jokes. That's your territory. Yeah, I know. All right. What did the mayonnaise say when the refrigerator door was opened? I don't know. Close the door. I'm dressing.
1: <laughs> mayonnaise isn't dressing.
0: It's a spread. It's what do you call it? A condiment. What's the difference between a spread, a, a condiment, a dressing. and a dressing? Well, that's what the joke says. Dressing
1: is like a salad dressing.
0: Well, there's salad dressing, mayonnaise in Thousand Island salad dressing.
1: But then you would have said Thousand Island.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> You ruin my jokes when you go down this path.
1: It hurts my head when you don't say it the right way.
0: I said it the way that the joke is supposed to be said.
1: Mayonnaise is not a dressing. So
0: you should just say it's not funny.
1: No, it was funny because I I actually... Well, I don't feel like it's funny now. I knew what you were trying to say.
0: (laughs) I feel like it lost all of its funny.
1: You should have said blue cheese. What? You should have said... What was, what was the joke again? <laughs> Something about dressing?
0: What did the mayonnaise say when the so, refrigerator door was opened? What
1: did the blue cheese say when the refrigerator door was opened?
0: Blue cheese doesn't sound like a dressing either.
1: But everyone knows it is.
0: I didn't know that. Really? Blue cheese, a dressing?
1: What is it then?
0: Blue cheese?
1: Okay, ranch. What about ranch? Catalina Island uh, Oh my dressing. gosh,
0: we, we've gone down a rabbit hole. Let, let's get, let's get Brad and Vanessa on the line.
1: Yeah, let's I'm going to call them right now so okay. we
0: can get past this whole joke time. Mayonnaise is not a dressing. Oh my gosh! Okay, I'm going to ask Brad and Vanessa if it is.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: All right, so I've got Vanessa and Brad on the line. Welcome to the show, you guys. How are you guys doing today?
2: We're doing great. We're thanks.
3: good. Thank you.
0: Sun shining, blue skies. It's a beautiful day, and I, for the very first time in the last couple of days, just got my haircut. So I'm feeling like a new man. Like I just cannot believe I was finally able to get a haircut after two and a half years or two and a half months. Felt like two and a half years, but
2: those little things, isn't it?
0: And the little things they do a matter. That's for sure. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And um, you know, I was super curious to talk with you just because I think your story is an incredible story of perseverance. And so, you know, let's bring our listeners up to speed on you two. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you guys been married, how long you've been together. uh, And then let's jump into really kind of the life changing event, Brad, that happened to you uh, some years back that will frame the majority of our story today.
2: Perfect. Sounds good. So Vanessa and I have been married now for 18 years. We celebrated our 18th anniversary in April this year under quarantine. We've got two adult daughters and we lived in San Diego for several years. And then we moved back up to Carlstead, which is where I grew up. And we found a house that we moved up into this area. It was actually after this incident that we're going to be talking about. And I've been a police well, was a police officer for... 30 years uh, before I retired, and you know, Vanessa and I just had a, a great home life, and everything was, was trucking along just fine, and then reality hit, things that you you hear about on the news every once in a while, or uh, you hear something that's happened to somebody else, and although you know, we know it's out there, you you never really think things like this are going to hit you so close to home or impact you the way it did for us. And and it was a surprise.
3: It was one of those things where uh, you are going through life and doing your daily uh, things as far as working. And we, like Brad said, we had a great home life. And then all of a sudden things turned upside down in the blink of an eye. And that's the hardest part is when you are just shaken out of this idyllic life and into this craziness that became our life in that instant.
0: why don't we go ahead and bring everybody up to speed let's talk about the day of the incident and from what i understand brad if you can if you can just share what you remember about you you were on patrol you were an officer at the time and you were a motorcycle officer they call you a motorbike officer is that right
2: we we call ourselves motor officers and i was I worked for Oceanside Police Department here in in San Diego, California, and had been a motorcycle officer for for several years. And you know, my my typical duties uh, for the day it's a, it's what we call in our industry a specialized unit or a specialized position. Um, most off op- most police officers they start out in what we call patrol, driving around in a, a police car and answering radio calls and. And doing kind of the run of the mill the the general routine uh, police work, answering calls and and enforcing laws and things that, you know, most people are familiar with. And then there's specialized units, motor motorcycle traffic officers, canine officers, school resource officers. So there's a variety. And so I was a, a motor officer and, and my primary duties were traffic enforcement and collision investigation. And so I worked throughout the city handling the traffic accidents that occurred throughout the day and also doing traffic enforcement writing citations and and trying to address specific traffic issues. And as it relates to this day, the reality is is I do not remember anything from the day. I had worked half the day before this incident occurred. So what I do remember is that the day before, which was a Sunday and happened to be Father's Day, I spent the day with my family, Vanessa and and I went and met with my my brother and his wife. And we went to visit my father who at the time lived in a, a memory care facility locally. And so we went and spent the afternoon with him and celebrated with him. And it was a great memorable day. um, Not knowing that that was going to be my last memory uh, before, you know, reality hit. And so I do remember coming home that evening uh, and, and what I would typically do is get my uniform ready the night before I go to work because I would get up very early. So in order to save a little bit of time early in the morning, I would put all my, my badge and name tags and get my boots shined and everything the night before and get it hung up and ready to go. So in the morning I can get cleaned up and go to work. So I remember getting my um, equipment ready. And that's the last thing that I remember what I had later learned, you know, is that I had gone to work I spent the morning working throughout the city and ultimately about 1030 in the morning, I had made a traffic stop on a vehicle for a a simple registration violation, which, you know, it's not a major violation, but apparently this this registration was quite a bit out of expiration. So I had stopped the driver, had contacted the driver and was, was talking to him. When, unbeknownst to me, there was a subject who was a, uh, later determined to be what's called a gang affiliate. He was, in, he was a driving a car, and he was on the other side of the intersection, had obviously observed that I had made this traffic stop, saw me standing alongside of the car, and decided it was an opportunity for him to get even for some of his prior run-ins with the law. And this, again, these are things that I have just learned about after the incident through court proceedings and, and talking with investigators and things like that. Just, I have no firsthand memory of any of this event. However, um, while I was talking with the, the driver of the car that I had stopped, the light had turned green. And as the vehicle proceeded through the intersection, the subject uh, crossed the intersection very slowly. And there is a, a firsthand eyewitness to this event who described it. As he crossed the intersection, he made a very deliberate turn towards me and then accelerated rapidly and essentially drove right through me, not only mm. sending me up over the hood and, and roof of his car, but also uh, sideswiping the vehicle that I had stopped. I had you know, flown up into the air and, and landed about 40 feet away from where I was standing, and, and this, the driver of the car that hit me, uh, continued accelerating and sped off down the road and made a turn. And, and in a nutshell, he had dumped his car a few blocks away, got out and fled the area on foot heading towards, a um, a nearby train station where he was subsequently caught pretty quickly, uh, because this whole thing unfolded very quickly. Once officers got on scene and were notified and, and, started canvassing the area they they found the the subject within a matter of a few minutes he had glass in his hair and on his clothing and also there was video surveillance videos from some nearby businesses which captured him exiting the vehicle and and fleeing from it
0: let's just stop you there for a second let's make sure everyone's on board so you you pulled somebody over you're there, you can't see this car coming, this guy figures, "Okay, now it's my opportunity to 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 take a cop out basically." And he takes his car and physically tries to to kill you, I would imagine with his car by running you over and then continues to to just drive off. And from what I understand, like you you were really really injured. Uh, Vanessa had shared with me that had you not been wearing your helmet, which you had on at all times you you probably wouldn't have made it so you you don't have any recollection because of the trauma that your body went through and your head and your and everything else correct
2: that's exactly right my back was turned from from all I've been told I didn't see it coming um and it was standard for me when I made a traffic stop that we all just wear our helmets throughout the traffic stop it's it's kind of time-consuming to take them on, you know, put them on and take them off, um, during every traffic stop. So we would just, you know, conduct our, our stop with our helmets on. Um, plus we had communications through the helmet so we could talk to our dispatchers and, you know, get information. So fortunately, and from what I've been told, not only by my doctor, but by, um, the, the collision investigator who conducted the investigation on the, um, the physics of the accident said that the impacts that my head had taken, there were two very specific impacts that they said both of those would have been fatal uh, or each of them would have been fatal had I not had the helmet on. So, you know, just God was watching over me, obviously that day. And not only provided me with a good helmet, but just gave me, you know, helped me so that those, those um, impacts, we not fatal, but as a result, I do not have any memory of the day or the, the next several days until I, you know, woke up in the hospital.
0: Vanessa, what, what, how did you find out about what had happened? Cause you, you were notified by somebody. So walk us through what you learned and how you were notified.
3: Yes. So I had just, um, quit my job as a vice president of a company and started my first day of work working for myself. So I was actually at home, which was somewhat unusual for me because I used to travel quite a bit. So I was home when this happened and I was, you know, it's 10 30 in the morning. So I was just a couple of hours into my day. I was doing conference calls and things. And I noticed a call from a friend of mine who is also a law enforcement officer. And I thought I, I was on a conference call. So I just kind of looked at it and I thought, well, that's odd that she's calling me at this time of day. I would have thought she was at work. And so I ignored the first call and then she called right back like two seconds later. And I knew something was wrong in that minute. And I just clicked over, you know, answered her call and she said, I need you to listen very carefully to me. He's conscious and breathing, but you need to get to the hospital immediately. And, I was so shocked. I just, I said, who, who are you talking about? I couldn't even imagine that she was talking about Brad because, you know, he'd been a cop for nearly 30 years. He'd been on a law enforcement officer for 29 years and nothing had ever happened to him. And so I was just shocked. And I said, who, who, who are you talking about? What are you talking about? And she said, get to the hospital immediately. She told me what hospital to go to. I dropped, literally dropped everything I was doing, including the phone and uh, ran out the door and drove to the hospital, literally screaming prayers as, you know, something I'm not truly proud of, but praying for his life. I had no idea what had hit him. I had no idea. I didn't know if he was hit by a car, hit by a bullet, hit by what? I had no idea. I didn't even know what I was praying for, except his life it was shocking as you can imagine
0: yeah they they call those prayers the cry of the heart you know it's like you just it just comes yeah. from another place in your spirit and you know you do, you don't have to do it well or correctly or the right way or whatever it's just like this this deep inside you you know cry please please save him let him be okay and so yeah. um so a gang affiliate hits you Um, From what I understand, there was a protracted legal battle that, you know, a court case or whatever that took several years. You know, let's we won't get too far down that path. But I I guess what I'm what I'm wondering is um, what physically happened to you? How long were you in the in the hospital uh, during this time? So maybe you can just walk us through that.
2: Yeah, so uh, ultimately I was in the hospital for uh, two weeks. Um, I, the first few days I was in a a coma and have, I I say no memories. I have got a a few very brief, what I call very brief glimpses of memory during that time, but no context to, to them. Uh, in a nutshell, I had concussion and head injuries. I had an eye injury, some fractured ribs, and probably my most, significant um, physical injury was on my right leg I had multiple fractures in my lower right leg and uh, what's called um, compartment syndrome and that typically comes from from uh, a heavy trauma and I've learned about this since this incident Um, however I guess when I arrived in in the emergency room they had flown me via helicopter, but when I arrived in the emergency room, my, my leg had swollen up to about, I guess, five times the size of normal, and they had brought in a very experienced orthopedic trauma surgeon, and he recognized right away that I was experiencing this compartment syndrome and, and indicated to Vanessa that they needed to get me into the emergency or into the operating room right away to save my leg. And so they, they did that. They made some incisions to relieve pressure and then proceeded to do surgery and, and implant some hardware uh, into my, my lower leg to repair the, the fractured bones. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, um, I have some very brief glimpses of um, memory, which include waking up and, and having this terror of not being able to breathe, I didn't realize that they had me on a, a a breathing tube, a respirator of some type. And all I knew is in the the second or two that I, that I, at least that I remember, um, I, I was unable to inhale and I had a feeling that people were around me, but I couldn't speak to them and I couldn't, um, I, I couldn't breathe. And I remember hearing, I think it was Vanessa say, they've got a tube breathing for you, but thinking, well, I can't inhale, I'm not getting any air. And it was, it was, you know, just, it really was terrifying. Um, I don't know how, how to explain the, the feeling of it. And I do also have another memory, very brief memory of, of trying to work the tube out of my throat with my teeth because I could feel that my hands were tied and again later learned that they had done that for my own safety but um, anyways after a few days I did uh, regain consciousness and was able to interact with with family and visitors and and kind of talk to people but even now since since then I realized that I, I was having some cognitive issues and memory issues even though I was fully interacting and fully conscious with people. I still have, I don't remember, you know, carrying on conversations. and I, I kind of laugh about it because when, um, several months later, when I did go back to work, I found about a three or three minute video that I had done to share with, um, all of my coworkers while I was in the hospital. I have no memory of making that video, but clearly I had, cause I was there talking. So <laughs> to the, you know, what happens to our bodies during trauma.
0: Yeah. Now, Vanessa, you you said something that was interesting to me. What what did Brad say the first time that he was conscious and had, had woken up and realized he was in the hospital?
3: Well, so when he first, when they brought him out of the coma, he was in a medically induced coma after they did the surgery on his leg. Um, and to allow the swelling in his brain to go down, because you can imagine with a blow like that to the head, he his head first had hit the top of the car enough to make a dent in the car. And then it had hit the pavement when he fell off the car. So he had major, uh, you know, head trauma. And so they put him in a medically induced coma to let the swelling go down in his brain and to allow him to heal from the surgery that he had just had. But when he started to wake up, you know, we were trying to explain to him what happened in the most gentle way possible, and also letting him know that he was safe. And, um, and, but, but obviously it was important to be honest with him. And, and so we said, you know, somebody hit you and unfortunately they, they intentionally hit you. And he said, he just looked up at us and he just said, Wow. There are some crazy people in this world.
0: <laughs> Isn't that a true statement?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I just was. I, I mean, it was really the first time that I saw, like, the Brad that I know, you know, my Brad back again. And uh, it, it, because that's how he is, he's really low key. He's not, he doesn't get all worked up about things. He's just a very, Um, methodical, great guy with a great sense of humor. And, uh, and that was, as soon as he said that, you know, as, as funny as it was, it was funny at the time because it was him. That is totally how he is. That's how he reacts to things. And I just thought, well, thank God he's back. You know, this is him.
0: So Brad, I'm, I'm just curious, I don't, I don't want to give too much airtime to this offender, this person that decided to purposely choose to, to hit you and run you over and, and to try to end your life. But we're, I'm sure everyone's curious, what did happen to the defendant that ran you over?
2: Yeah, so um, interestingly enough, the uh, defendant in this case demanded a speedy trial, which is his right. It's unusual, especially in, in major cases like this. However, he, he demanded that his trial be carried out um, in an expeditious manner. And literally within a couple of months, we were in court in front of a jury carrying out um, this, this court trial. And the investigators had done a tremendous job with their evidence. And, and so um, after the, the trial, he was convicted of first-degree attempted murder on a police officer and various other charges and then sentenced to 29 years to life in prison, um, for, for those crimes. And so for us, it was, it was great because now, you know, we were, we were still in the healing part of, of the incident, but we had also now put the, the court case behind us. So we were like, okay, now it's, it's just all healing from here. About a year later, we learned that, there had been some type of an appeal that he had made uh, or an attorney made on his behalf. And the case was overturned. The conviction was overturned. And so literally now as we speak, we have to go and, and do a full retrial on the case. And what the, just in a nutshell, what his his motion was is that he has claimed that his own attorney did not represent him in the manner that he wanted to be, his attorney didn't present the defense that he wanted to be presented. And what that was is that he he wanted to present a defense that he wasn't driving, that he wasn't there, that he didn't commit this crime. You know, what's frustrating for us is that in the initial trial, they provided plenty of evidence that not only showed that he was driving the car, but that he did intend to do this. It was already proven that he was driving the car and intended to to murder a police officer that day. And however, you know, the the courts have have ruled in his favor that he gets another shot at it. And um, so we were awaiting another jury trial. Which before the whole COVID, you know, situation we're scheduled for September. So I don't know if, if we're still on schedule for that or not. We haven't heard from anyone from the court, but that's where we're at. We're, we're still now waiting to go back and, and do this entire court case over.
0: How long ago was the actual accident itself? So just to give us some context for the time that's elapsed since the original accident and now.
2: Yeah. So the incident occurred on June 19th of 2017 and we held the uh, the initial or the first uh, jury trial in september of 2017 so like i said just a, a couple of months later and he was convicted so you know now here we are in 2020 and still waiting for this to go back to court
0: uh well that's unfortunate I, just really unfortunate i can imagine that that's got to be a whole bunch of emotions again you feel like you just put it behind you and now i'm on a Now I'm just on a path of healing, you know, my my perpetrator, the offender, the guy that tried to kill me, you know, he's in prison, now I can move on with my life, and so to have it crop up again to where now you got to go through that whole process again, it has got to be unsettling, but I guess I want to transition out of that because I think one of the most powerful things about the story between the two of you is just this idea of some of the positives that have come out of this situation. And and I love that. I love beauty coming from ashes. I love I love a story that has a very positive ending to it. So I would just like you to um, either one both and or speak to how your life has changed as a result of this accident and the ways in which you feel like it has gotten richer and or better.
3: Okay, well, there are so many ways that it's become uh, richer or better. I'm going to start with the, the very first thing that came out of it. It was this incredible urge that I had the, literally the day after this happened, and Brad was still in a coma, and the doctor told me that he had lost a lot of blood and may need a, a blood transfusion, and the, and I was just, you know, prompted to gather our friends and host a blood drive. And I just thought, you know, if Brad, whether he needs it or not, there are other trauma victims. We had seen them. I had seen them in that trauma unit while he was in there. And there were other victims of trauma that obviously were going to need blood transfusions. And so I don't know, you know, how it how it all came about in terms of why that was my first thought, but it was. And um, so our friends rallied around us and just a few weeks after this happened, um, we hosted a blood drive that was, you know, the entire community came out and supported Brad, a lot of our friends and family, and um, we were able to do something to offset, it was really important to me that we offset the evil that had happened. And this evil evil had been introduced to our life and so... I just thought, you know, now that's out in the universe. Now this negative energy is out in the universe. This horrible thing has happened. How can we offset that with something good? And the blood drive was that solution. And we were able to impact uh, over 1,200 lives with the blood that we gathered that day, which was, and then we had a subsequent one after that. But it was our way of giving back to the community and making sure that people that suffered the same you know trauma as Brad had but maybe didn't get the public exposure that he had that they would still be able to gain from this in a positive way.
0: Yeah, that's I th- I think that's wonderful. Number one, p- community coming together, people coming together and to have that kind of a turnout and to impact 1200 lives um in in some form or fashion, that's 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 beauty from ashes. That's a positive. Now, Brad for you <laughs> yeah specifically, you know, I I imagine it's probably hard to look back on this whole occurrence and imagine it to be a, somehow a blessing in disguise, but you know, what, what, what for you have been the positives of going through this experience and coming out of it on the backside?
2: Well, I I mean, the first thing I would say is it definitely brought Vanessa and I closer. I, I guess major incidents tend to do that, but In in our case, we were close to begin with, but she was now put into a position of taking care of me in a way that she's never had to do and having to care for my wounds of something that that I just know in her and her personality is, you know, she's kind of a squeamish person, but she stepped up because, you know, there were things when we got home that, that had to be done that were not pleasant for probably even a nurse, but she, she did it. Never, never made a face. And I have a tremendous respect for her for that because it was, she just like, Hey, this is what needs to be done. And, and she, she just did it. It was not a, there was no discussion about it. It was, she just did what she had to do. And, and I recognize that and, and probably can never share the gratitude that I have Towards her for what she's done, but it, it that and and just the event and and the the healing have created a, a a growing for us in 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 our own relationship in our marriage and and so that's probably the the biggest thing I've I've noticed from this and then just to see as she mentioned the community and our friends and the and the people who rallied and stepped up and, um, and how uh, a evil event or um, a traumatic event will bring people together. And you can, as, and I I talk to people about this all the time, the news, they, the news always is talking about negative things and, and bad things. And, and that's what's newsworthy and what you rarely hear is about, you know, people coming together. And I was able to see that firsthand, not only with my family and friends, but with, you know, the community and strangers who were stepping up and whether it be at the blood drive or sending me cards and and letters or whatever it was that were people genuinely wanted to, to share that they, um, you know, they have feelings and a respect for it. not only me as a person, but for police officers in general, for what we do,
0: that's awesome. I think that's great. I think that's a really, really good thing to come out of it. I, how has your faith changed? You know, how has that gotten richer, better, stronger? You know, how did it affect your uh, overall faith walk?
2: You know, I think. Well, I, I can speak for myself, and I think for both of Vanessa and I. You know, we we do have faith, and and you know, we've always been, you know, godly people. Um, but after this, I would, I mean, I would say it's changed my own perspective in life. And, um, I do really feel that, you know, God was watching over me that day. And, and sometimes it's, it's events, I guess like this, that, that tend to bring you back into focus. It's something that, you know, I do, I, I, I mean, I talked to God myself and I mean, Barest to say, you know, I don't go to church every week or anything like that. But I am a spiritual person. I do believe in God. I do believe that you know He is there and and um, watching over and and caring for us. And I do believe that He hears when I talk to Him. And you know that's that's just something. And you know, I guess I attribute that He was there for me that day because He knows that that I'm there and I talk to Him.
0: Absolutely. How about you, Vanessa?
3: Well, we've had many things in our life that have brought God into focus for us. And, uh, this was, this was another one of those times that I think that, you know, my initial reaction in praying and our answered prayers throughout this whole thing. And, and not that it's, <laughs> obviously my faith is not contingent on the answered prayers. But it certainly, as you do have answered prayers, it is, it fortifies that and removes any doubt that you have that there is someone looking out for you. And it, it really, for, for both of us, I mean, for Brad and I both, he said, we've always been faithful people. It's the fact that when you have nothing else, when you've got nothing else, And you know, and you still feel that warmth and you still feel that presence and you still feel that comfort when you literally are down and out and have nothing else. And you still feel that spirit wrapped around you. You'll never forget that. And I certainly felt it as I sat by his bedside in that hospital thinking, how are we going to get through this? And I just had an answer that we were. And in those first few moments, when I didn't know what had hit him or what had happened, that was my first response was to turn to God. And what I've learned out of it is don't ever turn away.
0: That's powerful. That's good. That's really, really good. I agree with you. I I, I do think your faith is hardened. It's strengthened. It's fortified using your word, great word. It's fortified when you, just can sense and feel the almighty presence of God around you in every way when you feel his empathy when you feel his love when you feel that spirit and it's if you don't understand what we're talking about, it's, it's hard to describe. I know exactly what you're talking about because I've been through it several different times where I did feel that feeling. And so it does enrich your faith. I think that's a blessing in your faith walk to be given that opportunity to feel that, to have a situation where the only place that you can look is up. The only place that can offer comfort is through your faith. I think that that is a blessing because it does strengthen your faith walk from that point moving forward.
3: It really does. And that's one of the things I was talking to someone once about this whole incident. And I just said, you know, Brad and I had been through quite a bit with our family in the years prior to this, we had some profound losses in our family in the two years prior to this incident. And honestly, as I was driving to the hospital when this happened, I was like, why is this happening? Why do we keep getting these, tremendous blows.
0: Let me just acknowledge that I think you shared with me that you had lost parents and or a sibling in the preceding two years before this. Like you, that's what you meant by like, it was just every, every moment you're you're getting a phone call that you've lost somebody else.
3: It, it And we had been on this journey. So both of my parents struggled and battled cancer at the same time. And we lost both of them. Uh, my mother in 2015, my father in 2016, Brad's grandmother who we were very very close to the following summer so in that previous two years we'd lost three people that were incredibly close to us really struggled with that struggled with the whole not just losing them but watching them suffer with cancer and that type of thing and caring for them and and all of the things that come with somebody who becomes the primary caregiver for their parents you know all of those emotions and and dealing with all of that. And then obviously dealing with the morning and uh, all of that. And so when this happened, it just seemed like one more gigantic blow. And so I was talking to someone who's somewhat of a spiritual counselor about this whole thing. And I said, you know, why, why would this have happened? And she said to me, what if it happened for this very reason that you're talking about? What if it happened to strengthen your faith? What if this was the very thing that needed to happen in the big cosmic universe in order for you to start looking at this and taking this is taking your faith more seriously. And I had a hard time with that at first. And now I look back on it and say, okay, well, what, if that's true, that's true. But the fact is that we, we know that we've grown closer to God and to each other through this process, those are the blessings. So yeah. for whatever reason, I stopped asking why, and I've started looking at what the result is.
0: Yeah, I think uh, we had a guest on our show that had made a statement that was profound that just resonates with me as you describe that. It's, it's like sometimes, things, sometimes we frame it like, why did that happen to me? Like, why did it happen to me? <laughs> well, maybe it didn't happen <laughs> to you. Maybe it happened for you. And there's a big difference between those two. And that's kind of what you're speaking about, you know, like the the blessing of the occurrence is what you have gained out of it. Yeah, you know, just like anything, whether it's exercise or dieting, no pain, no gain, like you got to go through something challenging to see a significant amount of fruit born from it. And I feel like that's this case.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone else.
0: No, no. No, not at all. Hey, listen, we don't we don't need life change through this medium. Like this is this is not where we go to get it. I guess I just want people to know that are suffering, you know, right now because I just think about in the midst of the pandemic and COVID and you know, I just think that there's a lot of people out there that are extremely anxious and and maybe it's not a physical attack like Brad went through, but you know, they're still experiencing trauma. They're still asking these questions, why me? Why is this happening to me and i guess my message is that you know you got to give some thought to the fact that there could be an immense amount of good that can come out of this but you got to you got to get through it first you got to survive it first in order for you to see that brad had to survive in order for you to see the fruit of what his accident has done in your life and in the lives of others
3: yeah absolutely and and we do you know we're pretty optimistic people anyway, who tend to look for the silver lining in things. But I, you speak about you know our current situation with COVID and all of that, and we're watching our two adult children, who uh, one just graduated from college last year, the other one has was well into her career, and both of them have have been impacted by this tremendously. You know they were on a path, as many other Americans in actually citizens of the world actually, but many other Americans are sitting here in the same situation where they're either not certain what their financial future is going to be or even if they're going to have money to buy groceries next week and then they're not pure, sure what their career is going to be. And th- these are uncertain times, but these are the times that we really figure out what we're made of. And they, although they are test, you know, times that test us, they test our faith, Uh, They test our resourcefulness. They test so many different things. And we've also seen the blessing during this of being able to have our two adult children at home. You know, while we've been quarantined, they've been home. We've had dinner with our daughters. You know, we've been blessed with time that that a lot of people are considering a curse right now. We consider that a huge Mm -hmm. blessing that we've had time to spend with our family.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, you know, you're, you're one of several guests that have pointed out that, that this whole stay at home order has actually been a huge blessing. It's, it's been a blessing from the, the fact of being able to share time, spend time together. We see that, we hear it, we talk to others. And I, I totally agree with you that it, it is, it is what you make of it. You know, if you're looking for the negatives, you're going to see the negatives. If you're looking for the positives, yeah. I think you're going to see the positives. Absolutely.
3: We've, totally agree with that yeah. we've talked about that type of thing many many times and that's why we try to limit our exposure to the news and and try to be you know we started gardening we've started, <laughs> <doing, cooking. laughs> we started doing things that we hadn't done before but we're having fun with it
0: yeah i agree i agree thank you thank you guys thank you so much for your time thank you for you know, just coming on the podcast and sharing some of your story. Brad, what 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 a story, man. I, I'm sorry to hear that uh you gotta go through this trial again, but I I hope this next time it it sticks. You know, maybe there's something that comes out of this that makes it even, uh, you know, worse for him in terms of a consequence than what the first one was going to be. At least that's, that's my hope. I think somebody like that has got to spend a long time in prison thinking about their actions, and hopefully they come to some sort of a realization that that's not the life that they should have led and won't lead moving forward. But, you know, just thank you for your story. Thank you for your vulnerability. I, I really appreciated talking to you and hearing your perspective. Yeah, well,
2: uh, actually, thanks for having us on. It you know, it's nice to share the story. And, and I'll say this just kind of in closing is that, you know, as, as frustrating as the legal process is, um, that's not what consumes us. Uh, I confidently, you know, we, we move on We're you know, we're healing, I'm healthy. We're, we're doing great and, and living a good life. And that's what we're focusing on and, and thank God for, you know, him being with us and taking care of us like that. And, you know, we'll, we'll address that court issue when we can and, um, and then move on from there. So it's, it's something that we're preparing for, but it's not what we're living for.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Thank you so much. Vanessa, thank you for your truth and um, your input and sharing your story as part of this. I, I really appreciate it.
3: Well, thank you. Thanks for having us and, and being able to bring something like this to, you know, a story like this to your listeners is also helpful, I think, in, in what we were talking about earlier. So thank you for all that you're doing and bringing some some hope to
1: people out there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's our goal. That's that's what we feel led to do. You're welcome. And so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Thank,
1: thank you. you. So what do you think about our interview with Vanessa and Brad?
0: I thought that was powerful. I mean, I, I just sit back, Jen, and, and, I, and I just wonder – what kind of a person can choose to do that? What kind of a person can choose to physically take a car, you know, aim it toward a police officer, Mm -hmm. and then endeavor to kill them by running them over
1: because it is a choice i mean you actually have that thought in your head
0: yeah it was pre-planned it had yeah. to be. i mean from what i understand he was sitting at the light just waiting for the light to turn green right. and then slowly rolls through the intersection and gets on the other side and goes okay mm-hmm. i'm gonna do it now and, and just accelerates as fast as he can i mean i just don't i to me that's unconscionable mm-hmm. like i just don't get that but set that aside The story of how they've been able to rise since then, the positives, you know, the community coming in and supporting the blood drive, the faith growing, their relationship growing. I mean, nobody wants to go through the physical trauma of what happened and and he almost lost his life. He could have very easily lost his life. But to see the positives that have come out of the story, you know, for Brad.
1: I think in every bad situation or negative thing happening, I... I honestly feel like there's always something good that you can take out of it.
0: You have to search for it though. Mm-hmm. You have to try to extract that. And you
1: might not be able to see it right away, but I really feel in my gut that there's always just something, some kind of nugget that you're going to take away.
0: I don't think I don't think it's easy to see it right away at all. No. I think that I think the power is in trusting the possibility that there can be good that comes out of it. And that's part of the reason why I do this show is that I want people to know that even though bad things happen to good people those things can actually be transformative, that there can be actually a bigger blessing in the midst of that challenge or that problem or that despair, et cetera. So, you know, I think that message uh, is is resounding in their story. I think that it's just an incredible story. So I'm so happy that they came on, so happy that they shared. And, you know, just our dialogue, too, Mm -hmm. in current events right now of what's going on. You know, I just I worry about officers throughout the country now becoming an increasing target and i hope that something like this doesn't happen to somebody else what did
1: brad say people are crazy
0: yeah people are crazy there's a country song like that goes like that people beer's good people are crazy and wait god is good i forget how i don't know but people are crazy (laughs) we do know that part (laughs) yeah they they can be yeah Yeah. this is true but we i'm crazy well crazy in a good way
1: good crazy yeah yeah
0: All right, so how do people connect with us if they want to get more of what we're throwing down?
1: Well, you can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Radio Podcast.
0: Yeah, all you got to do is search Hope Radio podcast. Yeah, right? and we're there. And then you can take us with you if you want to download an episode or two of our podcast. We're on iHeartRadio. Mm-hmm. we're on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts. You know, wherever you consume podcasts, we, we are there. We are there. So you yeah, can bring us
1: snacks like um, Red Vines <laughs> or you know some kind of corn nuts.
0: You and food popcorn, snacks.
1: <gasps> popcorn, Skinny Pop.
0: That'd be good. (laughs) So I found a hope quote that I think is uh, really appropriate given Brad and Vanessa's story. And it says, in fact, hope is best gained after defeat and failure because then inner strength and toughness is produced. That's Fritz Knapp. Mm, Yeah. That's exactly what happened to Brad. Exactly. I mean, both of them became stronger through that process. So I loved it.
1: What doesn't kill you makes you stronger.
0: Absolutely. You know, what? we're going to actually talk to somebody tomorrow that has that story. We're going to have Tulsi Vaggiani online. She's coming to us all the way from London.
1: London.
0: And uh, she's got an incredible story. You will not believe what happened to her when she was 10. (laughs) And what happened to her has shaped her life since, and she has to deal with it on a day-to-day basis. I'm not going to give away too much, but I just want you to... Be excited to talk to somebody that I think is going to have a really powerful message tomorrow. Okay. So let's do this again tomorrow.
1: We will.